Hi, I'm Mike Gorman, the voice of the Boston Celtics, and you're listening to The Shootaround. Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Shootaround on Sunday, August 5th. I'm Nick Harvell, alongside me is Mr. Chan. What's going on, guys? And today we've got a great show planned. We're finally going to recap the biggest moves of the 2018 NBA offseason, as well as give our first early playoff predictions. And we'll wrap up the show by going through the Celtics' new roster and analyze where we think we'll see the most noticeable changes on the court this season. Without any further ado, let's get started by first talking about the biggest name in free agency to switch destinations, LeBron James, headed out west to the LA Lakers, departing from Cleveland for his second time. Mr. Chan, how does this move shape up the rest of the NBA? Um, I mean, I think that it, I think my biggest fear going into free agency was that LeBron was going to join the Sixers and form, form a very formidable rival for the Celtics. Now that he's gone to L.A., uh, it waits to be seen if they could find a second star with him. Uh, I think, you know, guys like Brandon Ingram, um, guys like Kyle Kuzma will definitely benefit. Um, you know, they have a young young lineup led by LeBron, but with the rest of their free agent signings, I'm actually kind of skeptical in terms of how they they will actually perform this season. I actually think that the Lakers, I mean, they got some real scrappy competitors in Stevenson and McGee and Rondo, and we all know playoff Rondo's, you know, on another level, but, but that whole roster is... It looks more like a reality TV show cast. Than right, yeah, and show. Michael Beasley, too, just another name. Yeah, It's definitely a lot of questionable characters on that team, but, um, you know, LeBron's LeBron, and if anyone can make it work in a sticky situation, it's him. We saw him do it with Cleveland this year, bringing them back to the finals when it looked like they were getting ready to lose in the first round. Um, you know, I think this move is definitely going to, for sure, put the Lakers back in the playoff conversation, more specifically in the top half. I do see them reclaiming home court. We'll get into more of the playoff prediction later, but um, yeah, this is going to be uh, hopefully the beginning of the Celtics-Lakers dynasty I mean, takeover once again in the NBA. I, I, I don't, unless another major move happens, I don't see them. Oh yeah, no, no, for sure the pieces have to fall into place, but I'm just saying that this yeah. is the, the first move that I, I Rob Pelink has made. you know, LeBron made this more as a business decision. I mean, like, I felt like He's won so much, and obviously he's trying to win. But L.A. is just a much better personal situation for him with, you know, Bronny going to school out And there. movies. We know LeBron wants yeah. to get into acting a little bit. Exactly. Endorsements, so all that this stuff. This sets him up for the rest of his life. So, you know, definitely understand where, where that comes in. Um, it'll you, be interesting to see, but as a Celtics fan, I'm hoping that they fail so I can laugh in Magic Johnson's face. Right, and I hate the Lakers too, but, I mean, you got to respect the decision by LeBron. He's doing what's best for him. Cancel, blocking out all the outside noise and just making a decision for himself and um, and his family. And uh, something else that I wanted to mention real quick before we move on from the Lakers is Kyrie versus LeBron is now Celtics versus Lakers. That know, That is incredible. Just... Two years after they went, or not win, but three years after they won a championship together. I guess so. They are but... arch rivals on the biggest on the biggest stage of. But I just don't see it. I don't see the Lakers making it to the finals. Oh no, I don't either. I'm I'm just saying that I think it's cool that I see the Celtics the making it to the final. <laughs> I also don't think it'll be close when we play them. Yeah. Um, you know, we got the edge in talent overall, experience, coaching. Yeah. Um, yep. So you know, I hope that the Celtics curb stop the Lakers. 
Yep, absolutely. And I think they will this year because you mentioned, you know, L.A. is still searching for that second superstar to pair with LeBron. And they missed out on a guy who many thought was going to be going to L.A. this year, who I predicted would stay in his current situation. I was right, which is Paul George. So let's talk about that. He didn't even sit down and have a conversation with the Lakers. He knew from the get-go that he was in OKC to stay. Well, I mean, I think that um, I believe OKC was able to offer him a little bit more money because they, you know, traded for yeah for the, the bird rights. rights. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that is one solid motivating factor, and I think the other part too is that, um, you know, sometimes, you know, yeah, a lot of a lot of guys want to play with LeBron, but I I I see Paul George with his, you know, with his mentality, and this is also why you know. You know, when we get to Kawhi later on, I might have my doubts about him definitely being a lock for the Lakers. It's mm-hmm. because I feel like sometimes ever since Kyrie left LeBron, it kind of has a domino effect to to these other stars wondering whether they want to be shadowed it. by him. Exactly. Yep, I know exactly um, what you're saying. Because you know, whenever whenever LeBron, for as great of a player LeBron is, um, and he's one of the greatest. That we've ever seen is not. In my opinion, greatest. in my opinion, as much as I have hated LeBron my entire life, I I, I got respect. He's the greatest. And, I'm, in my opinion. And there the tough part is, you know, he brings with him that circus, um, and with the media. I mean, it's not even really LeBron's fault. With the media, it's like, oh, it's LeBron's team. Everyone else is supporting cast, no matter who they are. Right. And that takes a toll on guys. So I think I think you know I laughed. When Paul George stayed in Oklahoma City, because that was another stab. And it was a four-year deal. He was eligible for a five-year supermax, but for whatever reason, took less years, less money. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think whether know, that's to help out the flexibility of the Thunder long term, or if it's just if he wants to have an option sooner on in his career to depart, well, whatever that means. It's a it's a good risk to take. Um, you look at the rest of the Thunder signings and their moves so far. You know, in the off season. Um, you know, getting rid rid of Melo is huge because. Oh yeah, we'll get, we'll get think, more in depth than that. In this I don't think yeah. he's been a plus player since forever ago. Since Denver, basically. Um, and, <laughs> you know, when you look at that Oklahoma City Thunder roster, they got guys like like I'll just name a few off the top of my head. I know they signed like Schroeder. They got Noel. They for Schroeder. Yep. And I think oh yeah, Schroeder. Schroeder will play that uh, Reggie Jackson role pretty yep. well, and I think that would be help his development. I think that Nerlens. Uh, along with Steven Adams, will benefit from, you know, crashing the boards and doing what they do best, finishing around the rim and playing defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nerlens and Adams are really, really good defenders. Yep, and for sure. Hopefully, They're brick know, walls. Yeah, hopefully Roberson can come back healthy. Um, I think, you know, Timothy Luau Cabrera um, can also be a piece to him if he could develop it. All I'm saying is they seem to be stacking up on six foot seven. I mean, six foot five to six foot nine, lengthy athletes who can, who can play defense mix and, match, yep. and switch on defense. Absolutely. So, let's talk about why we think OK three didn't work with Carmelo Anthony and what his new destination means for him. So, Carmelo, for those who haven't been paying attention, was traded to Atlanta for Schroeder, and now he has been bought out, made twenty five and a half million dollars in five days of Atlanta. Um, just a crazy stat to throw out there. But anyways, he's off, headed to Houston now to pair up with CP3 and James Harden. 
Again, another big three. I don't even know if you can call Carmelo Anthony a big three. I personally would never call him a big three anymore, but that big three on paper, uh, you know, trio there. Uh, again, I don't think this is a good move for Houston. I think that Ariza is definitely more of a player that would, that would fit their system better in terms of his ability to like just space the floor, not want the ball too much, and play defense, most cool. importantly. Here's the fun part about it. I don't think it's going to work at all. I think that's one of the worst moves they could have made for the Rockets. Uh, I mean, call me a doubter, but I've never been a fan of Melo's game. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think, get it. I don't, I don't get what makes Melo. Uh, what about Melo makes teams so much worse? Like, I know he it's his mentality. He can't play defense. He and he's ball dominant. Defense. He's ball Holds the ball in that mid-range mm-hmm. and just takes like five jab steps, wastes eight seconds of the shot clock, and then forces a contested mid. That's yeah. not the way basketball is anymore. Melo is like a throwback score, scorer. I, um, I completely agree with that. And I think the problem with Melo is that he doesn't do anything else to help impact the game. Doesn't really rebound, doesn't make his teammates better, doesn't play defense. Doesn't set up guys for right. in positions they want to be in. And yeah. if you think about... The way that Game Seven went down with Houston, which you know, uh, between them and the Warriors, which is similar to what the Celtics did, they shot the three ball. They shot themselves. They lived out by of the three game. ball and died by the three ball. They and, specifically and died in that Game Seven. The last thing they need is another chucker. Mm-hmm. I think Ariza at least gives you defense, right? Well, Ariza knew how to chuck up. He knew how to a chuck solid up, amount of threes per game, but he gave you defense. Exactly. You know. I think that whatever team is going to play Houston, I think that Houston, they resigned uh, Capella, right? Yep, they got him back. So, yep. you know, Capella's going to anchor that, that defense at center. I think the biggest problem is, like, whichever team they play, they're going to hunt, and they're going to hunt Melo. They're going to hunt Ryan Anderson. Well, Ryan Anderson's basically out of their rotation. Well, I know that season still hasn't started yet, but I know he's been rumored to get moved at some point before the season well, they're gonna if they hunt. can make that happen. And I think, you know, if if they give it to Ryan Anderson, Mello's the one they're going to hunt. Absolutely. And Harden. I mean, Off the on. pick and roll, you know, everything. They're going to – they have too many, in my opinion, they have too many weak links on their defense to, to you know, get better from there. And uh, the tough part is Chris Paul's another year older. Yeah. And those hamstring injuries, I mean, like – they're piling up. It, it just stinks, you know. It, yeah. it stinks when he got hurt last year, um, but I think that I don't think that Melo is the right move. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, and I also think Carmelo's ego is going to be a huge problem there. I think team chemistry might get messed up because he's going to be demanding the basketball. I think the only way this, I wouldn't even call it works. I would just say it isn't a disaster. Is if Melo realizes that he has to transform himself into a role player. That's that's the only way this is not a disaster. Either way, I don't think this is a good move for Houston, and I think that their record is going to take a little bit of damage this season to the next. Well, not to mention, I think, you know, um, <laughs> Dan Tony and Melo have also had a tense history. Oh, gosh. How could I forget to bring that up? Yeah. <laughs> that, so yeah. we'll see how that plays out. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, as I was just talking about, I think Houston's games won the season are going to suffer a little bit, and they're going to fall out of that first seed for sure because we haven't even gotten to the craziest move of free agency 2018. Boogie Cousins. Packing up his things from New Orleans and headed where? 
Where else but the best team in basketball? The Golden State Warriors. Five all-star lineup. Went healthy. Went healthy. Five all-stars in their lineup. Mr. Chan, what is... I mean... It's crazy. I mean, it, it, it really feels like a video game. It, it feels like a video game. It feels like a video game, but at the same time, here's the tough part about it being real life, is that you don't know the timeline. You don't know how well he's going to come back from Achilles. Yeah, we don't it, know if he's going to be a shell of his former self. Yep, and as we know, with Achilles injuries, you know, that tendon, once you rupture it once, the elasticity, like, it's forever and not, like, ruined forever, but it doesn't... It, yeah, it, it's hard to get it back to the level where yeah, it was. Yeah, people don't remember. This is this is what ruined Kobe's career. This was this was this, this is the, the exact same injury. Dagger. Yep, that was um, it. I think that you know he'll contribute. Um, I think he probably. I think even, he'll probably be better than Zaza Pachulia and Javale McGee were for sure. But exactly, um. <laughs> and the key for him is he's got to be able to stay on the floor, and I think that. You know, for him, it's a win-win situation. Why not chase the ring now on a prove-it, like, one-year deal? And then sign another one-year deal with a worse team. Prove that you can play basketball again. And then, and then go figure it out from there. Yep. Um, but I just want to caution people that, that that Achilles injury is real tricky. And when you think about the Warriors, you know, their role players are going to be another year older. Now, they do have a couple of young pieces. Like McCaw. Like Jordan uh, Jordan Bell. Bell. Those guys, um, yeah. but I think that um, you know they're still the best team in basketball. But you know, health is going to play the key. Yeah, right. And also, I think Boogie's got to come into this situation, or I feel like he has to have known like that. Steve Kerr is not going to draw plays for him this season. No. Steve Kerr is just going to be mixing and matching the way he's done all these past four seasons. They've been to the finals. And, um, you know, Boogie's just going to have to slide in and do what he's told to do. Now, there's also five stars and one basketball on the court. Do I think they're going to figure it out? Absolutely. They have proven time and time again, even when they sign KD, people are like, oh my god, how's this going to work with Clay and Steph? Something's got to give. They find a way to make it work. I think they're going to find a way to do it again. But that's the only red flag is if people start getting unhappy if Clay specifically starts getting unhappy, because his touches are going to suffer the most, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, for Clay, it's like all right, keep winning those championships, and then kind of go from there. Yeah, I mean, that's what it seemed like it could have been for Kyrie too. But we know how that played out. Yeah, what I'm but, saying is, do we think Clay, Clay's a free agent coming next season? So, I mean, what does this mean? We'll see if, what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I think that these are all big ifs right now. I'm, I'm just speaking like. Worst case scenario, if this Golden State five All Star super team fails, and Clay decides to depart, I mean, do you think he would be a a good fit as a first or second option on the team? I mean, he he definitely would. I think you know, like the the part that I fear the most as a Celtics fan is that because his dad played for the Lakers, he might go to the Lakers with Kawhi, which and would be with LeBron terrifying. in his last few years. That's a core that is just um, is to be reckoned with. Yeah. Alright, so with that, we can shift the uh, NBA offseason talk to the Eastern Conference now. We've covered the West, and now let's talk about the East. With the biggest trade of the offseason, Kawhi Leonard, finally, it had been rumored that he would be moved for, it felt like forever, finally gets moved 
to the Toronto Raptors of all team. We heard the Lakers, we heard the Celtics, we heard the Sixers. The Toronto Raptors come in and just snatch him for DeMar DeRozan and uh, Jakob Pertl. And the Raptors receive uh, Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. Look, first off, San Antonio, Let's. Uh, I wanted to talk about them first. They do not need to freak out right now because they are adding a developed all-star in DeMar DeRozan, who is still not even reached uh, 30 years of age yet, to a team that was a 17 in the playoffs. Keep in mind, that team that we saw in the playoffs last year didn't have Kawhi. So I think San Antonio is for sure staying in the playoff hunt. And um, you got DeMar DeRozan now, who's playing with the best coach in basketball, besides Coach Stevens, of course. And, uh, yeah, that's my that's my opinion. That's my two cents. I think they definitely stay in the playoff picture. I think that they'll definitely be in the playoffs. I don't know why ESPN projected them to miss the playoffs. I think that... And L.A. Um, the, the, the big factor for uh, San Antonio going forward is that I think, you know, one, we'll see how DeJounte Murray develops uh, with the Spurs. He's going to be a huge key for them going forward. Because with him, with um, DeMar DeRozan, with um, Lonnie Walker, and with Rudy Gay, you trot out a 1-4 through four that's 6-5 or above an athletic and defend multiple positions. Right. And I think that, quietly, Popovich has kind of shifted his roster to fit and to be able to defend some of these um, new, um, the, the new NBA. I think he, you know, he's done a really good job. And in the meantime, he, you know, he made quiet signings with um, guys like Marco Bellinelli. Yeah, um, bringing him back. You know, and then. But they, they did lose out on Kyle Anderson, who's another guy that fits that little mix and match uh, game you're talking about. Yeah. They lose I, him to Memphis for way too much money, like. But that's a that's a big player. That I mean, he he's a big player, but he's more like a he's playmaking, uh, like playmaking wing forward. Yeah, he's like shooting. He's the slowest player I've ever seen move in my entire yeah, life. So he's I, one of Pop's projects, though. That I think that Pop he turned into like it. you know what I got Lonnie Walker, and, and oh my goodness, I cannot say enough how excited I am to see Lonnie Walker play next year. Yeah, because I think people will be caught like people sleep on him. I really do think people sleep on him because his athleticism is off the hook. And, um, you know, I'm interested to see what happens in Toronto and whether Kawhi plays or not. Yeah, right. And that's what we were going to talk about next, the Toronto Raptors. So, obviously, if Kawhi plays and if he's the same Kawhi that we saw, not last season, but a season before in San Antonio, then Toronto's going to be fine. They're going to be at the top of the, or near the top of the East once again. And uh, all is going to be good. I think that I see this working out in one of two ways. Either Kawhi embraces Toronto, embraces those Canadian fans, and loves it, and stays beyond this year, similar to what Paul George did. You know, Paul George even said in an interview that when he was on Indiana before that OKC trade, he had his mind set on L.A. no matter what. Then he gets moved, falls in love with his new destination, ends up staying. Would that be a Paul George 2.0 situation with Kawhi in Toronto? I mean, I would certainly hope so because, again, I want to see Magic Johnson and his tampering ways fail miserably. Um, but, um, I don't know. It, it, it's a tough call because here's the thing is that uh, it makes a difference when uh, OKC has Russell Westbrook. 
Mm-hmm. And Toronto has an aging Kyle Lowry. And I think yeah. that for Toronto, one, that roster had peaked. last You know, last yeah. few years it's peaked. So they had to blow it up somehow. So whether Kawhi stays or not, it helps them jumpstart blowing that core up. Yep. Um, so they, th- they play the season out, and if it's successful, they try to keep it intact. And if it's not, they say, all right, go head yeah, to L.A. Exactly. And I think that Kawhi is a quirky guy. Um, you I, think? I, uh, <laughs> I also lost a lot of respect for him, to be honest. I, I did too. I think he just uh, he just gets really bad advice. I think his uncle is a terrible influence. Absolutely. Um, his team is the worst. And, and it's just bad. It, it's just, you know, he's just getting bad advice. And I think that... He's lost a lot of goodwill that he's built up over the years. Um, so, you know, wish the man the best. But, you know, get some new guys around you. And this just goes to show you how people in your inner circle, and you see this a lot of times in high school and college basketball, is that a lot of players, and, and you, of course in the NBA, a lot of players who keep the wrong crowd around them, um, are go, they te- end up going astray and they're going wrong. Right. All right, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Can't wait to get the NBA season started. And with that, uh, let us each run down our list and give our playoff predictions. We can start with the Eastern Conference. Mr. Chan, would you like to go first with your with your list of Eastern Conference teams that sure. you see? All right. Um, so for the East, um, you know, assuming everything stays healthy. Uh, I got the Celtics in first. Of course, um, of course. Sixers in second. And I actually think, you know, for the Sixers, the big X factor for them is if Markel Fultz has fixed his game. That's exactly what I was going to say, too, if you didn't talk about that. I was going to say Drew Hanlon swears by him. <laughs> Drew Hanlon saying that he is going to come back an all-star player. And if this is true, then Philly, I think, has the second seat locked down. Yeah. Um, I think if Markel does not perform at an all-star level and is the same as he was last year and is basically a non-factor, then I think it's a toss-up between them and Toronto for the second seed. Well, and so, Here's the ad that I would put in there, is that if Ben Simmons somehow figured out how to shoot a basketball, they might be the one seed. Well, I mean, yes. That's a big, that's a huge F. Hey, you and, never know, man. You never know, but uh, yeah, so, I mean, with that, who's your third seed? Uh, my third seed would be the Raptors, yep. assuming that... Right. Uh, you know, Assuming, Kawhi plays. <laughs> right. And, uh, which is a which is an F right now. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Like, I, th- I feel like Budenholzer does, gets a lot out of his guys. Um, so we'll see how it grows in, in, uh, in Raptor land. Uh, I got the Bucks uh, at fourth uh, because I feel like, you know, they made a couple of quiet additions. Um, even though they lost Jabari, um, I feel like Giannis is only going to continue to improve. Um, right. I, feel like I got defense, Milwaukee there too. Yeah, I feel like in a close, close uh, battle would be the Pacers, because I feel like Oladipo had his breakout year, and I think he's going to continue to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Sabonis is going to get another year underneath him. Miles Turner, we can't forget about him. He's, exactly. He's and quietly so producing every year. I think that they got some, uh, they got some real good pieces, um, and then I got the Wizards. Um, who I think that Ross, that's another roster that needs to be blown up. I think they're done. Um, I think they're done too, but that, that I, I was going to wait till you were done going through your list, but I, I actually have them in Indiana switched in my list as the fifth and sixth seeds simply because of the Dwight edition. Look, there's no, you can call Dwight soft, washed, whatever. He's better than March and Gortat. And I also think that if John Wall's healthy, the Wizards climb back up to the fifth seed because we have to keep in mind John Wall was out for 
a good two and a half months of last season, and the Wizards' record definitely tanked during that because Bradley Beal was just a one-man wrecking crew. Well, he, he was, and, and my counterpoint to that to why the Pacers would be you know um, ahead of them. Ahead of them. I just feel like they didn't make enough major changes in their roster and didn't climb oh, up. Ahead. I just feel like the Wizards don't still don't have enough depth. I think that Dwight. Um, you could argue that he's an upgrade over Gortat, but Gortat did give you that mid-range jumper and the ability to be able to knock down free throws. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, that's fair. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And then in the seventh spot, I have Spolstra and the Heat. And in the eighth spot, I got the Pistons, um, you know, with uh, Blake and Drummond. Alrighty. So this is where my, my list gets a little interesting. So your eighth seed was Detroit. That was my seventh seed. I think with Dwayne Casey leading that wrecking crew of Drummond and Blake, and there have been rumors that Andre Drummond is working on his three-point shot, and if that happens, then I mean that would be very scary—a big rebounding force like Drummond who has the ability to knock down a three-pointer occasionally. Well, everyone's in, see. Here's a part where I would caution people because everyone's so in love with the three-ball now. But what's Andre Drummond's strength? Rebounding. In order to rebound the ball, you got to be around the rim. He's a terror on offensive boards, but you know, like it, it, it'll be a nice. It would be a, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. It would just be a another piece to his, but um, his trickery. I think I just think that for him, like a banger like him, he just needs to keep keep that consistency up with his free throws. And I think he should work on his mid range game more than the three point game. Exactly, because he's such a terror around the basket. Right, I get that. And then my eighth seed. This one's a little interesting. I did not have Miami. But who's my eighth seed? The Chicago Bulls. Now listen, I have them cl- climbing back into the playoff picture this year because I just see Miami as having too much locker room issues with Whiteside. Like, I know they, that he's having some issues with his contract. And no, no, not contract. It's Winslow is having issues with his contract. Whiteside having issues with his touches, his usage, the way Spolstra wants to run with him. Uh, I just think they're going to start having some very noticeable chemistry issues and their record's going to show from that. And uh, I also think that this is another year of Goran Dragic being, being in the NBA, and we're going to finally start to see his decline. So why the Bulls then? Well, they have a great young starting five with Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, Jabari Parker, the three, which is going to be, in my opinion, I think that's going to be very, very exciting. And then we have Markinen at the four and Wendell Carter at the five. Um, young core... Great potential, great starting lineup. I do think they need to add some role players, and I think that when they start to see that they can maybe make a playoff run at some point during the season, they're going to make some moves at the deadline, get some good vets on their team, and uh, I think they're going to be a team on the rise in the near future. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't completely disagree with that, but I just don't think that... Well, even know, if they don't make the playoffs, they're a borderline playoff well, team. I, I yeah, you got to agree with that. Well, I mean, with the East <laughs> being so weak, it's, you know, the first few seeds and everybody else. I think Markinen uh, is definitely a very highly skilled player. Uh, and with Carter at the five, you know, they definitely have a pretty solid young front court. Uh, my biggest concern is that for Jabari Parker, um, he's like... It, it's just tough. He's gonna have to transform his game. He's gonna have to do it. it. It's just tough for him because he'll he's a four man playing the three, and I don't. He's think, a tweener. I I wouldn't even call him a four man. I I'd call him just a a, a no position. Well, I don't he's think like a Marcus Morris. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he can. He's quick enough to guard a three. Yeah. Well. And I don't think he's he's uh, big enough to guard traditional fours. 
I think he knew what he was getting into when he signed this deal with Chicago. I think he knew that when he sat down with Gar Foreman that, and that team, that he knew that he would have to transform his game into more of a wing-dominant guy rather than a guy who bangs with the bigs and fights for those rebounds every time. Yeah. I think we're going to see a complete transformation in his game, and I think he's ready for the challenge. Um, These two torn ACLs are just going to motivate him. I mean, and also to add that, it's a very exciting move for him, you know, as a homecoming. Yeah, um, that's another thing. But, you know, hey, you know what, though? They still got Fred Hoiberg as their coach, so um, I won't we'll see what put happens. too much stock into that. All right, well, just early predictions. We'll, we'll obviously get to see uh, how this plays out when the season rolls around, and we'll get to see who gets to rub what prediction each person's face and um, all that fun stuff. Uh, so now let's move on to the Western Conference, the good stuff. Um, I do think this playoff race, before we get into this, I think it's going to be a lot tighter. I think it's going to be anyone from the 3 to the 8 seed could switch, basically. Um, but I'm just going to get into a little bit of like what I think is going to happen. Uh, so first, I mean, come on, Golden State Warriors. I mean, barring any significant injuries to Steph or KD, they're going to be at the top of the West. Uh I don't even need to explain why. We've already gotten into that. So number two, I got the Rockets. Again, I don't think they're going to keep the top seed due to the Warriors' improvement and the chemistry issues from the Melo signing. Um, and again, you can add in like where you think your list is going to or, – or where I mean, your I'll, list I'll, – I'll just go over mine after yours. Okay. All right. So I'll just go through. My three seed is the Utah Jazz, which is a team's team. They've got great chemistry. It's all guys who love playing together, who openly talked about how much they – enjoy playing basketball together um they love mixing and matching on d they've got the defensive player of the year and rudy gobert they've got donovan mitchell who is looking like a new franchise player utah has got good future and i think it's going to be sooner rather than later when we see them climb to the top of the west uh at the fourth seed i've got the los angeles lakers i've got the lebron edition securing them home court for the playoffs um no other reason besides that i mean we already talked about their whole roster and with all the question marks and stuff, but that's where I see them uh, landing at the season's end. As the five seed, I had the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, although OK3 is no more, we're going to see a better basketball team than last year. Uh, you know, they got Dennis Schroeder, who definitely does fill that Reggie Jackson role that we saw um, back in the KD, Russ Harden, Thunder years uh, with those exciting teams. And um, we know what a good six man's like on these Thunder teams. And uh, so I think they're definitely going to be more successful. Uh, sixth seed, I have the Denver Nuggets. These young guys like Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Nikola Jokic, all Michael Porter Jr. gaining experience. Um, I think last year added fuel to the fire when they lost that last game of the season to Minnesota for that playoff spot, that final eighth seed. And let's talk about my guy, IT, Isaiah Thomas. All it takes is one injury to Murray or Gary Harris for Isaiah to get his opportunity that he so desperately craves. And um, I think they're going to be a very fun offensive powerhouse this season. Seventh seed. Uh, I got the Spurs staying right where they are. Uh, I think Denver's going to improve more than San Antonio did uh, this offseason. I mean, the DeRozan addition plus the same roster keeps them right around that bottom of the West. But they'll have a better improved record than last season. And lastly is the eighth seed. I don't have Portland or New Orleans staying, but I have Minnesota. And this is a toss-up between those three, mainly in my opinion between Portland and Minnesota. 
But um, I have Minnesota simply because of what happened to, play- to Portland in the playoffs last year. I think that what happened last year is going to carry over. And uh, I think it's going to get in Dame's head a little bit. I think it's going to get in CJ's head a little bit. And I think this is going to be the last season of us seeing Dame and CJ on the same basketball team. Alrighty. I know that was a mouthful, but uh, <laughs> Mr. Chan, um, if you have any... I actually mate... have some pretty like radical uh, Western conference oh i know you do get right into it just because i think you know obviously number one uh the one seed to me assuming all health holds is the warriors i mean yeah um because i just feel that it's you know like it's them and everyone else Mm -hmm. um on the second seed i actually have the thunder um because i think that they really yeah i think that you know getting rid of mellow and adding the pieces that they did is going to help them play better as a team um and, you know, the guys that they're going to add, you know, outside of, you know, uh, after they got rid of Melo, it's going to complement what Russell Westbrook and Paul George want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the third seed would be Jazz. Um, because yeah. I think that Quinn Snyder uh, does a great job with that roster. Oh, I and, forgot to give credit to Quinn Snyder. Yeah. And I great think, coach. I think that um, Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, who, you know, like, he and Tatum both deserved the Rookie of the Year, in my opinion, over Ben Simmons last year. Um, because that's, you know, like, he's going to put in another offseason of hard work, and they're going to be better off um, next year. Um, and then in the fourth seed, I actually have the Rockets, because, you know, now that Ariza's left and then they added Melo, I think that unless Melo is able to accept, like, a six-man, like, a tertiary role... I don't see it working out. Uh, I think there's too many seeds. I think there are too many questions about, you know, I think Chris Paul, you need to sprinkle in a lot of uh, rest for him. Um, you know, another question mark is, can Eric Gordon keep up another year of hot shooting? Right? Um, yep. And so... I feel like Eric Gordon's one of those year-by-year players where he has a hot year and a cold year and a hot year back and forth. Yeah, and, and he's a heck of a player, don't get me wrong. And he was plagued by injuries early in his career. <laughs> and he's gotten, you know, steadier um, since. But, you know, I think that um, for the Rockets, they slipped to the fourth spot uh, with Melo in there. That's a crazy prediction. And, uh, you know, Harden, Harden's a great player too. But, you know, you've seen... How much defense he plays? We have seen that. <laughs> it's <And> not much. <laughs> Chris Paul is also, I would say, the only player that I, w- I would put out of those stars that would have the quote-unquote winning intangibles. Yeah. I don't think Harden does. I mean, look at how Marcus Smart got into his head last year. Right? Um, and that was an epic meltdown. Um, in the fifth seed, I have the Spurs. Like I said, I think they could trot out a very athletic Oh, so you got, yep. Uh, so you got them very versatile. Uh, in the sixth spot, I have the Nuggets. Uh, I think that, you know, they're very young. I think they resigned uh, Will Barton, who's very underrated. Yep. I think they got a bunch of guys who are very underrated. They got Jokic, who, um, you know, I think it's it's a stud, one of the best centers in the league. He's yep, and they still got a veteran big in Millsap, too. I yeah. completely forgot to mention. And I think Millsap got hurt last year. He did. Uh, yep, he did. So um, if he can stay healthy too, that's just going to even yeah, make him even and, better. And I think too that quietly, um, even though I don't think that Michael Porter Jr. is going to play next year, um, I think that quietly, 
you know, Jamal Murray is a, another really good young guard. He's great. Um, you know, Gary Harris is a great two-way player. Um, and obviously, you know, IT, I think, will contribute a lot of leadership and be able to influence the young guys the right way, uh, especially, you know, now that you got uh, Paul Millsap coming coming back. Um, yeah. I think that getting rid, rid of Moutier was a good move for mm-hmm. them because I don't think that Moutier was a good pick at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I I I have a qu- I actually just remembered something that like I kind of am having questions about. Um, Denver moved like they're really only solid small forward and Wilson Chandler this off season to Philly. Right. Um, does that mean they're banking on Mike Porter to play this year or what? What is? I don't. What are they think, doing at the three position? I don't think so. I mean, I think Wilson Chandler was like getting to that point where he was getting from like a solid starter to kind of like almost over his prime. So I don't think they're exactly banking on Michael Porter Jr. to play this year. I mean, it would be, it'd be definitely helpful. But I think with Murray, with Harris, with Barton, you have your one, two, and three. And those three guys, I mean, let's be real. Barton, in my opinion, is a better player than Wilson Chandler. So you think Barton can run the three? Yes. All right. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I've, not, I've not seen him play the three. So I, think, I mean, I think he's a very tough player. Tough yeah, he's a hard-nosed player. guy, for um, sure. And you know he's got um, he's okay. got he's got quite a lot of skill, and you know also shout out to Will Barton coming from Lo- uh, Brewster Academy, oh, yeah. New England Prep School. You know it. Um, and you know I think that every year Barton has shown improvement and, and made strides in his game. Yeah, he's turned himself into a very solid pro basketball player. <laughs> yeah, and I mean he's six foot six. Yep. One hundred eighty pounds. Definitely, in my opinion, can play the three. Um, you know, in the seventh seed, I have the Timberwolves. Uh huh. Um, I I hope that Tibbs figures it out and doesn't run his guys to the ground, uh, in the regular season. Yep. Which he, uh, which he seems like he does every single year, though. Yeah, and, and but I hope that's that. why I have them as the eighth seed. I just feel like they're gonna be they're, at some point in the season that mid season fatigue is gonna hit, yeah. like right around All Star break, and then they're just gonna. Well, I mean, I hope that Cat also figures out how to play defense. Uh, yep, that's another question mark. Um, and Andrew Wiggins. That that that'd be huge. Um, and in the eighth seed, I have a big surprise that nobody uh, expects, but I just um, uh, I don't know. I have a gut feeling that the Mavericks might make the eighth seed. I'm not as upset about that prediction as I thought I would be. I I, I think it's crazy that you don't have the Lakers in the playoffs, but I mean Dallas is an eighth seed. I I could see it. I just, I just, I just don't really, think they're. I don't think they're ready yet. I really like, um, you know, I, and I here, here here's why I picked it, and it's all reliant on one player development coach, and his name's God Sham God. I think he's gonna do wonders with Dennis Smith Jr. and who's Luka. already a great player, and Luka Doncic. Um, I think that you know Dirk might not be able to contribute as much anymore, but he'll still be able to contribute and stretch the floor. Harrison Barnes, another good player. Wesley Matthews, um, you know, hoping that he stays healthy. Um, they got a lot of solid, like, stretchy wing players mm-hmm. who could help you stretch the floor. And when you think about it, it's like, all right, you know, offensively, say if you want to go small with Dennis Smith Jr., Luka Doncic, uh, Wesley Matthews, Harrison Barnes, and DeAndre Jordan. That's a good team. Right? That's a scary team. And here's the part about it that you got to understand. Is that DeAndre Jordan setting screens? You put Jordan in the dunk box. You have Harrison Barnes or Wesley Matthews 
set a flat screen, a high ball screen, whatever it is, set a, set a ball screen action for Dennis Smith Jr. or Luka Doncic coming downhill. Right. Now, granted, Doncic is a rookie, so we'll take Dennis Smith Jr. right now. Mm-hmm. If Dennis Smith Jr. comes downhill full speed off the ball screen, who's going to stop him? You have to bring help. If you bring help, who are you bringing help off of? So I will be looking for a lot of lobs from Dennis Smith Jr. A lot of good takes to the hoop when guys fail to help. And a lot of nice, easy kickouts to shooters like Matthews or Harrison Barnes. I think the spacing will be there. Um, you know, they're very young in that sense. Mm-hmm. And I think Dirk is getting very old. But, um, you know, Rick Carlisle makes it work. And I, I just have a gut feeling that they're going to make the playoffs. Right. I mean... My only concerns uh, with this team are obviously the youth. You know, Dennis Smith, we have to keep in mind, still entering his second season. Uh, didn't prove at all that they, he could win a basketball game last year. Um, and then Luka Doncic. I mean, listen, we've seen the video of this kid. We've, we've heard the rumors. But it all remains to be seen until he actually steps on a basketball court and plays. Now, I, another red flag that I have with this uh, Dallas Mavericks team, they're, they have no depth. They don't, they don't have... Any, I, I can't even name any of their bench players off the top of my head. Like Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, that, that's where I think that Dallas is going to show their, their kryptonite, I guess. Is uh, when they sub out their first five, no one is going to be able to carry the load. I mean, and that's why I don't think they're ready for the, the playoffs yet. I, I do think they're going to be in the playoffs within the next two, three years. Another, another team that I think is going to be in the playoffs within the next two, three years is the Phoenix Suns. I think they're doing a lot of great things too. With um, I think they made a lot of great draft moves yeah. with Aiden and Bridges and Okobu. Um, both of those teams I see making the playoffs in the short future. I just don't see it yet. I actually think that you know it, it'll be a toss up from like spots number I think like twelve or eleven four to... through thirteen. Yeah, in the West, it's going to be a huge yeah because there's still New Orleans, there's still Portland. You didn't have L.A. in your playoff picture, so no. there's L.A. for you. And then there's still Memphis. Who? Yep, Memphis, know, if, if healthy. Scrappy. Jaron Jackson, Marcus Hall, Mike Conley, yeah. Yeah, and I think we could agree that the bottom feeders are going to be the Kings and the Clippers. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the people with all the cap space and no good players. <laughs> uh, I, I'll, I'll just be interested in, um, you know, in how uh, the Grizzlies develop. I think... Um, you know, Dylan Brooks is a potential, you know, breakout kid for them. Um, and we'll see how um, Jaron Jackson Jr. helps them. Yep, all, all remains to be seen. All right, last thing we're going to talk about before we wrap up the show today. Finally, finally we get to talk Celtics basketball. Um, so I was just th- planning on for this. Uh, just going through the key additions and the key, uh, or not the key, the major losses uh, from the team this past season, like what the new guys will be able to do that the old guys struggled with. Mm-hmm. So obviously, Rob Williams, probably our biggest addition this offseason, uh, get him in the draft, falls all the way to 27, has the artery knee problem thing, sits out the summer league. I mean, that is a huge question mark, this, this artery issue. If this is a long-term thing, then I mean... Who knows what's going to end up happening with Rob Williams. If he gets this under control and his knees end up not becoming a long-term issue, I think he's going to have an immediate impact on the defensive end 
And um, I think he's going to be a guy that hangs around Boston for a while. Uh, I mean, I agree with that. I think that he's much more of a project. I mean, late first round, you have a couple of concerns. Um, I think the most important important move that the Celtics made in the offseason was getting Marcus Smart back. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I wouldn't call that an addition. I would just call that a retain. Well, <laughs> yes, but Marcus Smart is addition. was our most important decision in this offseason. Yeah, and I think, you know... And we keep Baines. Um, I just wanted to toss that in there. Baines. I think, um, I think we'll see, you know, assuming health is there. Um, that's all, that's the biggest thing with Rob yeah. Williams. And I, I honestly, like, I have no idea. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be a beast. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be a bust. That all remains to be seen. It's just a big question of if he can maintain health. Yeah, and I think the health for everybody else. I think if Daniel Tice could come back healthy. Um, you saw what he did last year. He had a good stretch of games yeah, before think, the injury. You know, I think if Hayward stays healthy, I think it's time to trade Marcus Morris for something useful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that you know, like I think Morris, it's not no not a, not a knock on Marcus's game or anything from me. I, I I agree with that though. I agree that we should move him, but um, you know, yeah, it's just not gonna. Where's he gonna fit? Yeah, I just don't think you know he'll be happy with his role in the offense. I mm-hmm. think that, you know, with with his game being a game where he's ISO heavy and tries to do a lot with, you know, uh, on the ball and the ball doesn't really move from his hands, you know, like he's a solid, versatile piece. But if Hayward's healthy, you know, with Jalen, with Tatum, um, you know, Marcus Smart, Daniel Tice going back, mm-hmm. where does he fit in? Right, exactly. Uh, I think we definitely have to consider moving him <laughs> uh, because he just, yeah, what you said yourself, he just doesn't fit. Um, so yeah, some other key additions the Celtics made this offseason. Um, there's only really two other big Brad names. Wanamaker. Brad Wanamaker and Jabari Bird. Um, those guys are going to be replacing, you know, Nader and Larkin. Uh, Nader being replaced by Jabari, who in my opinion is just a more athletic Abdul Nader. Uh, has more potential on defense too, but um, you know, not much more than a guy who's going to play scrub minutes. Um, and then you got Wanamaker, who's a guy who's six foot four compared to Larkin's five foot eleven. A guy who can defend the one two pretty well compared to Larkin, who has to like really work hard against those bigger guards that he's matched up against. And um, you know, Wanamaker has more efficiency. We, we've seen he has experience in the Euro League. His style of play is going to make up for Larkin's inefficiency on offense. And uh, I think he's going to fill Larkin's role and play even better than Larkin did. Yeah, and I think Wanamaker, even since his playing days at Pitt, you know, mm-hmm. um, he's a stronger player, stronger build. Yep, than hard-nosed uh, guy. Than um, Larkin. And I think he, he'll bring a big piece, you know, to, to what we have. Um, I think that, you know, over the course of the season, as minutes wear on guys, I think Brad does a great job of rotating guys in and out. Um, you know, I don't, I don't see Nader as a huge loss. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry, Abdul. It was nice having you. I mean, it was... and, and then, oh, and another loss, Greg Monroe. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think with Monroe, you know, he started his purpose. Mm-hmm. Nice passing big, but... Um, Good offense. He just didn't have the defense. Just too slow. Yep, that's all it is. Um, too unathletic. Yeah, and, um, you know, I think getting Baines back is going to be huge, too, going forward. Uh, I love how Brad unleashed his three-pointer in the playoffs. Yep. Um, is a great weapon. And I think, you know, it, it'll help us with uh, different matchups. 
I just hope that, you know, we, I think the piece that we, if we could find, <coughs> excuse me, uh, like a proven NBA six man off the bench score. Yeah. That we could trade some pieces for. That'd be great. Get Move Morris and then like maybe another future first or a young yeah. guy. Yep. And it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how many years does Horford left on his contract? He's got two left. He's got this year and then a player option, but he, he's probably going to opt in unless he wants to take a more team-friendly contract. Yeah, and, I mean, here's the thing is that, I mean, it's just... We've got some decisions to make. We've got some, We've got de- some financial some tough, decisions to make. It's going to be tough. Tough decisions, but... um. It's all going to be very exciting. What's to now. say Anthony Davis isn't available? All right. Let's not get ahead of ourselves now. <laughs> hey, I would unload every single pick we have plus Al Horford for Anthony Davis any day of the week. Hot take Mr. Chan here. <laughs> wrapping up the show. Um, all right. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, this was a great episode. We had a lot of fun recording this one. And uh, we'll keep you guys posted on the next episode. Now, before we get started with our preseason analysis, we have to take everything said with a grain of salt because of the shortened training camp and early preseason. So there's no need to overreact to anything we say here. It's based off of four preseason games. So with that being said, let's get started. All right. Mr. Chan, what would you say have been the biggest things that have stood out to you so far based off of the 2018-2019 preseason? Oh, I mean, I I don't think you could tell. Like, I always say preseason. I think the way it is right now, preseason, the games are like training camp games. Right. Um, It's definitely, it's different than years past. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the younger guys are getting more reps, like live game reps against live opponents. Um, You know, whereas the veteran stars get to rest. Um, What I've been uh, impressed by so far is that uh, even though it's preseason, Marcus Smart has been basically in mid-season form. Uh, I mean, granted... You, you gotta know, love it. You yeah. gotta love him going after you JR know, last night. My, um, my, my prayers and thoughts are with him because I know that his mother uh, passed away very recently. And, you know, I, and I, he's gonna ball out this year. Um, I also... I also like, um, you know... I feel like Robert Williams has shown more of a motor than people gave him credit for. Right. And yeah. I, you know, I, I feel like having Al Horford, having these veterans around, is going to help him tremendously. And having the best coach of all time, Brad Stevens. <laughs> I'm kid- kidding. But well, he's one of the best coaches. He was voted by right the uh, all the NBA GMs or owners. I forget who it was, but um, they do those daily award or the, not the daily the annual award things like which. Toughest player in the NBA. I know that was Stephen Adams this year, yeah. but um, yeah, the uh, coach of the year was or the best coach, yeah. Brad Stevens. Too finally bad. surpassed Pop. Yeah, too bad. Uh, too bad his fellow coaches were hating on him and didn't feel that way. Yes, I'm petty like that. You know, um, <laughs> Dwayne Casey did not deserve. <laughs> I mean, Detroit's Dwayne Casey's going... a good coach, but he's no Brad Stevens. Um, I also think that you know, just from what I've seen so far, um. The ball movement can be crisper. Um, the defense could tighten up a lot more. But I, one thing I was impressed by what uh, in the first few preseason games when our starters and our top players were playing, their jump switches were executed very well on defense. Mm-hmm. And so that's one Always thing talking. to look forward the to. The communication's still there. Oh, yeah. And I just think that um, 
this team is going to be very dangerous defensively. Um, they're, they're very the switchability in this roster is insane. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, you know, you've been going down the line with some of these players, but we haven't even talked about Kyrie yet. So, I mean, Kyrie so far, based on this preseason, you know, he's playing limited minutes, but when he's out there, he's looking like the Kyrie Irving we all know and love. Um, which is great to see after, you know, a kind of scary and, and unusual injury that took place last offseason. Well, I mean, that was... Or last that was, regular season. It was one of those, like, nuanced things. I mean... Like the, an infection, though? No, the injury, like, an infection slash... Um, because it was his broken kneecap, I believe, from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And they had to put a, a metal wire in in order to secure it. And they left a whatever thing was fastening the knee in there. Yep. And, right, that's what I want to say. You know, and it was irritating him. So, technically speaking, because his but then he gets was yeah, but healed. then he gets the surgery to remove that little wire thing, and then it becomes infected. Like, right. I mean, I don't think it was a huge infection. Uh, I'm glad it wasn't a huge infection, but you know, unfortunately, with these procedures, like those things do happen here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he's he's looking good right now, and. You know, I think that having Gordon Hayward back is going to be huge. Yeah, and you know, and based off of recent comments from Kyrie, it seems like he's going to be looking good and green for years to come. Just recently agreeing to terms to re-sign with the team once the season's over and not enter free agency like so many people thought he would. Oh yeah, and you know, I think that uh, the word that he's talked to um, Mr. Anthony Davis bodes very well. AD Um, to the bean. Because... Hopefully, and again, this is with all due. Re- hopefully, this is where the timeline lines up. With all due respect to Al Horford, when his contract is up, is when AD hits free agency, and when we could recruit him over, and hopefully, you know, could get a little hometown discount from uh, Horford. Yep, that's what I was going to say. Around. Horford sticks around, declines his player option, which is like I believe for almost thirty million dollars next year. Yeah. So hopefully he takes a more team-friendly contract. Maybe he gets that uh, mid-level exception, what Baines did this year. So um, that would be cool to see. Uh, other star players that we uh, haven't mentioned yet. Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum. I, I, I Honestly, like, I, all right, again. He got dropped four pre-season, <laughs> four preseason games, he did get dropped last He night. got dropped he by got Sam Decker. He got put in a body bag by Sam Decker. <laughs> oh. That's right. Oh. We can just chalk that up to the... Preseason rust and, but uh, I mean the biggest thing I'm noticing from Tatum is he just it seems like he's almost so like too too cool for school out there when he's playing he's playing so nonchalant like, I mean he did make scoring look effortless last season but I don't know he's he's losing the aggressiveness I I understand I I always feel like I need to keep saying this I'm I'm done saying it after this I promise but it is the preseason, um, <laughs> but Jason Tatum yeah he's just. He doesn't have the same aggressiveness. He doesn't have that same, like, drive to get to the basket and draw contact. He's settling for a lot more contested fadeaways from mid, which is just the worst shot in basketball in the modern era. You either want to get to the basket or shoot threes. You don't want to settle for those contested mids. But, um, I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's just, again, preseason rust, or do you think there's anything more to it? Maybe he changed his game up. But I think he's been around Kobe too much, if you want my honest opinion. Um... And that was my worry with him working out with Kobe because, you know, that was all that Kobe was about, taking contested fadeaway twos. Um, but, you know, that's something that Brad's going to iron out over over time. Um, I think with Tatum, he's probably using the preseason 
to try some different things out, work on different parts of his game. Um, you know, in a way, it's kind of like a summer league for rookies. You know, like you, you try to use it to develop your game and to expand what you can do on the court. So I have no doubt in my mind that, um, you know, when the regular season starts and especially when the playoffs turn up, he's going he's gonna to be real good. But you could definitely see that Mamba influence. That yeah, poison. definitely. And I didn't, I didn't even think about that. That was a great point you had there. Uh, another guy who's been learning under someone who's not the Mamba, but similar to him, T-Mac, is Jalen Brown. And he looks like a man among boys. Listen, I've always said this. T-Mac would be one of the greatest players of all time. If, if his oh, body, I, hun- if his I couldn't agree with you more. Up. Couldn't agree with you more. He's one of the best scorers. I mean, and so if Jalen Brown is going to patent his game after T-Mac... And T-Mac's going to take the time to work with him, and T-Mac goes on television and says, listen, I think the Celtics are ready. Oh, yeah. That that gave me so much confidence. Oh, yeah, and here, here's the beauty about it, too, is that Jalen Brown gives you that dynamic element. He is the most freakish athlete on that team. Right. And, you know, there are certain things you can't teach. Athleticism and freakish vertical and quickness and explosiveness. And, and wingspan and build. Oh, yeah. You, you can't teach that. And so, at the end of the day, you know, I feel like Jalen Brown's become a much more skilled player uh, than he was when he first got drafted. He was very raw, relatively mm-hmm. speaking. But the Celtics have done such a great job developing him. And his jump shot looks smooth now. It oh, looks yeah. like it has no hitches in it, no weird oh, yeah. little... Which is which is why, you know what, Like I'm, I was cool with him trying to take that step forward and be more aggressive last year. Um, I mean, especially he had to once Hayward went down. Oh yeah, gave him, I, I think Hayward going down was a blessing in disguise for this team. Yeah, it was a silver lining. It was, yeah. Um, so you know, I think that I, I'm really looking forward to seeing this team this year. Um, you know, the 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 toughest part I think for them will be to continue to build that chemistry um, and to learn. All right, like how do we get the best possible shot for this team? Because when you have so many dynamic players on the court, and there's so it's many weapons. Like, yeah, it's almost like you can't take a bad shot. Yeah. Right. And even our bench unit, like our bench unit, is better than some starting fives in the NBA with Rozier, with Morris, with Smart. Yep. I mean, we just have so many weapons. You're, and, you're... and hopefully, we could add Jamal Crawford to that mix. Hopefully, guys, please sign my man Jamal. I don't even care if it's the Celtics. Just he he needs to be on an NBA team. I mean, his crossover will always be known as one of the meanest crossovers of all time. That's true. That's true. And, um, you know, the last Celtic starter we haven't really mentioned yet, um, Gordon Hayward. Finally get to talk about Gordon Hayward playing rather than the Gordon Hayward Haywatch. The Gordon, or, sorry for stealing that from the jump, but uh, the Gordon Hayward injury uh, following. But, um, yes. So, yeah, I mean, there's not much to say about, from, like, what we've seen from Gordon. It's, it, it, he's rusty. It's the, clear. And there's no worry. Well, the, the, the one thing that I will say is that um, I, I think, along with many other Celtics fans, still suffer from PTSD. So I think it's going to take a while for me to get over when Gordon goes up in the air. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, when he went up for that block in that preseason game against Charlotte, I was okay. like, ooh, he landed a little awkwardly, fell over. After. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I think it's going to take me to, like, Christmas to get used to him. Yeah, it's going to take a few months. But, um, you know, like I always said, if it's going to take us that, you know, think about how much mental toughness, how much work he has to, you know, 
work through to get over that fear because if we're having flashbacks and traumatic experiences with yeah it, imagine what he's gone through exactly and right. i just hope that you know i know Kyrie doesn't listen to us but i just hope that Kyrie will stop throwing him high lobs <laughs> <laughs> that would that would be good that would help me with my with my heart with my ptsd you're right um so yeah i think that's pretty much everything oh wait and then we should talk about the bench a little bit with uh some of the guys who we haven't seen much improvement from and one guy who I thought was going to come into the season, a different player, Shemi Ojale. I thought he was going to come in and hit some threes consistently. I thought he was, after especially working with Drew Hanlon, who's this premier NBA trainer. And, um, I mean, he just looks like the same Shemi that goes 0 for 8 from 3, gets you a couple rebounds, a couple defensive stops, and then well, that's it. I, I thought he was going to be an offensive weapon. Well, I think that for Shemi, you know, you can't just, you know, like you can't give up on him too early because... I think part of what hurts his three-point shooting is literally he is too strong. <laughs> I, I think he said somewhere, I don't know if he was joking about this, but um, you know, just adding on to that point, I think he said he did like 2,600 bicep curls a day, and it takes him like two and a half to three hours to complete. That is an absurd amount of lifting for an NBA player. Yeah. And a guy who relies on his arms so much to be able to raise up and shoot a basketball, like... Yeah. Imagine how sore he is all the time. I mean, there, there's that, but I think as a basketball player, there's only so much upper body work you should do. I mean, if you look at Shemi right now, he could, I mean, if the Pats need him to, he could sign with the Pats and go play linebacker or something for him. That's how ripped up he is. He's almost in football shape rather than basketball shape. Completely agree. He's built like a linebacker. And then another guy who I haven't been too impressed with yet, just because he hasn't really done much, but again, I just think with time he'll integrate himself into our system, is Brad Wanamaker. I mean, granted he is our third string point guard, but I mean, guys who are on two-way deals like Walter Lemon Jr. and you know other, other guys like that, I, I personally think Walter Lemon Jr. is outplaying Brad in this preseason. Not the Brad, not... It's it's weird hearing two Brads now, <laughs> calling Brad Brad Wanamaker and Brad Stevens. Right. But Wanamaker, yeah, um, haven't been too thrilled. He's just he seems like a slow guard. He's very slow paced. He's way well, he plays. even back um, when he was in college, he was like a almost like a power guard. He's always had that strong build, and I think that you know I don't think he has as much of a quickness or like a shooting touch right now, as Shane Larkin did. But I think he brings to the table a tough guard who I think, you know, looking at the roster, again, because of the amount of offense, which is absurd, and, you know, uh, the amount of shot creators we have on this team, I think that looking at some of the holes we had while switching on defense in the playoffs last year, I think having that uh, Wanamaker switched on a big man his strength will help. Yeah, he's not as much of a liability when he gets matched on those guys like one, like Larkin was. Exactly. Just because of his height. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree with that. Uh, all right, guys. I think that's all we have uh, in store for this preseason action. Uh, little special edition episode uh, added on to our free agency special. But um, thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to be sure to get more podcasts out as the season continues. And uh, we'll definitely be sure to update you with um, with Jimmy Butler when we, when we find out where his destination is, whether it be L.A., Miami, Houston's another one. But um, 
Jimmy yeah. Buckets. The Jimmy Watch. Yep. We'll be back soon. Thanks, guys. All right.